This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from New York Magazine and the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. How are you, Kara? Good. Guess what? Walmart is announcing it will require U.S. customers to wear face masks. Go Doug McMillan. I think this is a good thing because Walmart often leads the way in these kind of things, as do many businesses. What do you think? Yeah, it's, uh, it feels as if, I mean, there's a vacuum of leadership here that's pretty pretty dramatic. And a lot of, uh, whether it's Starbucks or Walmart or Best Buy, trying to set protocols that in many ways, in many ways, any action from Walmart impacts more people more directly than anything the federal government does. And yeah, you have, they did it on guns, if you remember. Yeah. Remember? Yep. With the shootings, they have a lot of impact in a lot of ways. They did it in certain areas. And so I think it's really important. I think Walmart has a real opportunity. I mean, they have their, obviously, their labor issues and everything else, although it pales in comparison to others now, uh, including tech companies. Uh, uh, but it's really, uh, I think it's a really important thing. And what's fascinating is that I think what will happen is when it goes up against, say, the Georgia governor, who seems to be just a fatuous chucklehead of this week, um, uh where he he is declaring that nobody has to force people to wear masks any of the municipalities. I don't know if he can control Walmart though. I don't understand how that will go up against each other. Yeah, you you had me at fatuous chucklehead. That's your yeah. new go-to. It is. <laughs> yeah, that's Yeah. Ridiculous Popinjay is another one, but he's a fatuous chucklehead. Ridiculous Popinjay. Um, but Isn't how, that a how do you tree? imagine that's going to go cuz these these governments don't want to sort of argue with Walmart presumably. Yeah, and it's just very hard to it's very hard to come out against masking because this whole science thing gets in the way. There's never going to be a national mandate uh, unless Biden is president, um, and that won't be till January. Um, so it'll be interesting because it looks like Trump won't at all uh, say he can say people can do as they please. But I think it'll be an interesting. I think the mask wearers are winning this one at this point, and the mm-hmm. fact that it took so long is is a is a is terrible actually. Well, there just appears to be a war on on science. I don't know if you saw the other, the latest kind of dumpster fire, but Peter Navarro going after yeah. Dr. Fauci. It just, it's okay. So the administration is now infighting and trying to undermine each other's credibility. And by the way, that's really going to help the pandemic. That's absolutely going to help I, I, you us. You know, and then this. they pretended he didn't, yeah, he did it he on his own, his own like he's a rogue agent. <laughs> 
Gosh, you know, and then that's, I call that mask lighting. Um, mask lighting. Good so it's just, it, it's ridiculous. And then the Los Angeles Times had a story saying Trump approved. Of course he did. Of course, nobody makes a move in that White House without yeah, Trump's approval. Um, you know, and then they don't, he doesn't have to resign for it. And Fauci, I love Fauci. He's just going all over the media. They're obviously can't control him at this point because he probably could just leave. Uh, which he won't because he's a very long time uh, dedicated civil servant. But he, you know, he was like, I don't even know what to say. Essentially, he was like, these crazy people, who knows what they're doing? Yeah. I'm just going to keep doing my job. I think he's got a lot of uh, leverage right now. Speaking of companies, see, all these companies are getting dragged in politically. The Goya mm -hmm. CEO, of course, came out in support of the Trump administration rather effusively. Yeah. Didn't have to do that, but he did. Um, and then Trump and Ivanka take pictures, one in the Oval Office and the other, I don't know what she was doing, some sort of Price is Right move. But Posing with Goya, it's so ethically bereft. But you know, they've done this at least. This they've is their, done worse. They yeah, done I mean, worse. I'm like, everyone's like, is this ethically bereft? I'm like, yes, it is. Of course, it is. Um, but what what does it do to a brand like that? I don't know if it's very good for Goya. Uh, I think, and well, you, you you might argue if it was a smaller brand, any publicity is good publicity because just right. that kind of awareness. It's so hard. The very first stage at the top of the funnel is just awareness, just knowing a brand. And when you see it on the shelf, consumers, 98% of their purchases are with brands that they've heard of. So the first part of branding is just baseline awareness. So if this was a smaller brand, you know, even the, the, even the negative associations would be positive because you just want awareness. But this is a fairly established brand, a big consumer base. And it's it, it's kind of marginal, or I would say negligible to slightly negative. It won't be it won't have the impact that people think. People generally speaking aren't as in touch with the news as as, as mm -hmm. the media thinks people are. Right. And also, people are creatures of habit, and if they like Goya, they like Goya. Uh, it's just not. But I, I can't imagine how this is positive because it evoked a pretty negative reaction. If he had just been up there and said. Thank you, Mr. President. And he's just shown respect for the office and showed mm -hmm. up. But instead of kind of, did you see what it just, what a sycophant he was? Yeah, and, and, it was and, really quite something. Yeah. And but the, many, the pictures to me, that's yep. whatever. He can do whatever he wants. I just don't think it's a very good look for, for them to insert at all, just at all in general. And, you know, they're going to, they have this boycott and, yeah. and we'll see. And then my favorite was Mary Trump, who tweeted out a can of whole foods. <laughs> Uh, beans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In general, in general, boycotts <laughs> get more, get more attention and more news than they have actual and sales memes. impact. And there were so many memes around Ivanka Trump. They had one of her holding Brad Parscale's uh, head. Uh, you know, they just, their memes were fantastic. And it just makes them look like ridiculous grifters. And, and you know, whatever. It's a totally on brand for the Trump administration, but it's still gross. Um, speaking of which, um, uh, you, you did say Twitter did the, 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 uh, the, the, the blue checks, the verifieds were off last night, for, including yeah. you. Are you a verified? I am verified. Yes. Yes. That's kind of my, that's sort of, I mean, that's one of the few real credentials I have is the blue check. Yeah. So I'm going to allow you to rant about uh, Jack Dorsey right now. Go right ahead. Oh, you know, I don't like uh, hacks. There's been a lot of hacks and hacks mm -hmm. again, tend to not have so far, haven't had a huge impact on the companies that are the targets of the hacks. I think the more interesting thing here isn't the fact that when they called Jack Dorsey and said your platform's been hacked and he had to ask which one, um, is that, uh, that's my, my pivot humor, Kara. Um, <laughs> the, um, pivot humor. 
I, I don't think the president of the United States who can launch nuclear weapons should be using a platform that can be hacked as his primary means of communicating to the world. That is an excellent point. It and really is. It, it, oh, because he could write something like I'm bombing what, Russia what right if, now. What if all of a sudden the president starts tweeting, um, I've, I've ordered the Sixth Fleet to begin operations and we have begun firing on the city of Tehran. I mean, it's just, he could, he could, somebody could start a, a shooting war. Well, uh, except by it's his president, so everybody takes a minute. They don't know if he's, you know. Like, I don't know. I think everyone's pretty tweeting. much on edge. I think someone who is politically pretty deaf could have a series of tweets over a few minutes that, that they would not have the time to react to that could potentially yeah. um, escalate pretty fast. The bottom line is that the president shouldn't be communicating through non secure channels. Yes. And that he is, is right 100% now. true. But you do recall, given how old you are as I am, <laughs> that the, the Reagan, we will begin bombing in five minutes thing, his joke. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, that was not good. That was like a total curve. That was really controversial when he did that, that one thing. And, you know, it was clearly a joke when he did it, but it was still really badly received when he did it. Because um, it's not funny. It's not funny. Well, it's, it's funny. a little funny. It's a skosh funny. <laughs> it's not a skosh funny. Nuclear war is not a skosh. It's never yeah. funny. Never yeah. funny. Yeah, I've heard that's bad. I In any case, uh, I want to. we want to get to the big story, but I just want to say, guess who's going to be at our most incredible live stream event, which is just becoming very popular with the people, Pivot Schooled in August. Guess who is coming? Jack Dorsey? No. No? I'm sorry. Go ahead. Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google. Oh, my ske- gosh. The likable at- Sundar. Yeah, Sundar is going to be. We have a lot of questions for him. Um, he was scheduled to be at Code, and he has very nicely agreed yeah. to come and do this for us at um, at uh, at our Pivot School, which is going to be off the friggin' charts. Scott and I had an amazing meeting yesterday with our staff, and they have so many great ideas. They're doing such a great job. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be funny. It's going to be fun. It's going to be informative. It's going. There's going to be a special Scott. Uh, Thing that's going to happen, a I think. Special right? Scott thing. Wow, you, know, you really know how to sell the the hell out of this bitch. I can't. A I can't like give Scott away thing. the give, give away the whole whatever. SST okay? supersonic transport. What's that was called? No, SST, you're good, there's going to be a lot of antics by Scott. Yeah. Let's just say yeah. antics. I'm the, I'm the serious part of this thing. I'm pr- I'm presenting no. like actual domain expertise or lack thereof. Listen, it's going to be listen fun. to me. Listen to me. It's, listen to me. It's going to be lit, <laughs> as you, the young people you say. Fatuous chucklehead. Fatuous chucklehead. Get tickets now. Pivotschooled.com. Yes. It's going to be so good. Okay. Yeah. On to the big stories. This week, NBC's streaming platform Peacock launched but won't be available on two of the most popular streaming devices, Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Roku and Amazon Fire TV share a combined 70% of the streaming player market and reach about 80 million active users. Back in May when HBO Max launched, they were missing apps on Roku and Amazon Fire TV and still have not cut a deal to appear on those platforms. Peacock is available on other streaming devices like Apple TV and Google's Chromecast, among others. Uh, what do you think about Peacock? What do you think? They're doing this um, uh, 30 Rock special. They're trying to do all kinds of stuff. Uh, What do you imagine is happening here? I think Peacock is going to struggle. First off, Peacock, uh, late to the game. A lot of people have spent a lot of money and a lot of time and are, I don't want to say they're sated on content, but content consumption has gone up dramatically during the pandemic. And they feel it, it, it feels as if 
They're just late. And it, I mean, they, they have some unique attributes. One, they do believe, and they're probably correct, that the whole world can't go to subscription, that there is a large market for people who want, will endorse some advertising for free. Uh, I think that their pricing in their brand architecture, I should say their pricing strategy is is confusing. Three different prices. Free, Explain it. Explain well, it. Free with a lot of advertising, five bucks with some advertising and more content, and then 10 bucks for a bunch of original content and no advertising. But it's kind of the Goldilocks. So you pick, yeah. you have three choices. And I think in this age, consumers, marketers mistake consumers for wanting more choice. They don't, they want less choice. They less just want choice. to be, they want People to be are more happier with less choice. Right. They want to be more confident in the choices presented. And Netflix is a very easy choice. You know what it stands for. It's no advertising. It's great content. It's original content. Yes. And you know the price. So I think it's, I think I that's would never a mistake. get rid of Netflix. I would never. It's worth it. Yeah, it's it's, and we'll talk a little bit. That that's actually my prediction. They are okay. announcing earnings at the close of business today. We record on on Thursday. Just a little inside baseball for you, you listeners out there. But back to Peacock. I think the most interesting thing about uh, Peacock is that if you look at the wars that are going on between mm-hmm. um, them and Roku, it's really telling around just how the power dynamic in media has changed so dramatically. And that is, if you distribute, if you go on Amazon. Prime. If you're part of Amazon Prime Video, it means you're in their app. You're in their mm-hmm. app, and they basically control it and have access to the data, and they serve it up as like a feature of Prime Video. Or you can right. go kind of above the fold, if you will, and you're 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 presented as part of distribution. But if you're like Netflix and like um, Disney Plus, but Netflix and Disney Plus control the experience, and most importantly, Kara, most importantly, they have access to all the data. Yeah. And what, what this is so telling about is that HBO Max and Peacock, you know, the the original gangsters in um, uh, not streaming video, but premium non-advertising video, HBO, and also the largest now uh, ad-supported content company on television, Comcast, they don't have the leverage to negotiate a deal where they're above the fold and they have right. their own app. Amazon's saying, no, we're happy to present you, but we're going to control the experience and have control of the data. Whereas so who, Disney who Plus- who has the power here? The the device makers, the, these like Roku and Amazon Fire TV and and, uh, and Apple TV or, because there's too many of these networks, right? And that, that's your point. Is well, that there's it's a, there's, sort of like being on a grocery shelf. There's always a debate between content and carriage or between the manufacturer's brand and distribution, which is more important. In this instance, in this instance, when you're Amazon and you kind of control the rails and you're in 83% of households and you're trying to launch, you know, I don't think consumers are going to say, I'm canceling Prime or Prime right. is not nearly as appealing to me because they're not carrying uh, Peacock or HBO Max. It's just weird how, di- in, in some, Disney Plus and Netflix now have much more power and leverage in the channel than HBO Max or Comcast, which just would have been unthinkable even yeah. five or ten years ago. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I think I think Peacock is going to be not nearly as big a disappointment as Quibi, where supposedly ninety two percent of people did not right. up for the paid. Did not did not transition to paid from the free trial. I mean, Quibi is just people aren't even talking about it anymore. Still got some good content on there, but let me just say something of, of yep. this because I have a little bit of background in the cable business. My family owned a cable company, a big Your family one. owned a cable company. Yes, a cable just yes in Scranton, Pennsylvania. We sold it. It's a long story. Well, first to Adelphi, and then anyway, that's anyway. I'm a cable baron, and I worked wow. in, in cable, the cable baroness. Business. Yes, I'm a baroness. We made wow. quite a bit I'm of money. Much with more, Paul. Actually, it's interesting. When you said my family owned a cable company, I was actually more attracted to you. Oh, What's okay, happening good. to well, me? 
In what any is case, to me? we had one that was just con- like right next to each other. A lot of smaller cable concerns had have little bits and pieces. We had the city of Scranton. This is a long story. My family owns a coal company. We built the lines for cable. Co- I'm not going to go into well, it. Was it called Dunder Mifflin Cable? What was no, the name of the cable no, company? No, but it was like we owned a big we owned a big coal company, and so we built that. I'm sorry, you owned a coal company. We still own a coal company. It's it, it's my brother runs it. It's complex. In any case, hold the phone. Your brother runs a coal company. <laughs> well, technically, we're two trying words: to get... first mine, second blown. Well, you own a coal really. company. Yeah, it's that just, makes sense. Okay, that right. makes sense. Listen to me. It's called uh, Jetto Coal. It's excellent coal. It used to supply the coal to the, the the public schools of New York. It may still do that because they have coal burning heating. In any case, you're the Coke uh, sister. You're yes, one of the Coke exactly. sisters. <laughs> That's what I am. Anyway, they went. And they got the cable concern. My grandfather liked uh, boxing, and he he liked HBO, so yeah. he wanted to have it in Scranton, Pennsylvania, because they had to go over the Poconos. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but yeah. they built. They had the equipment to lay the cable lines. They got this 99 year lease on the cable, like, on and on. We ended up selling it. Uh, my brother did, and uh, and and it went to Adelphia. Now it's at Comcast. Anyway, um, if you remember Adelphia. So I know a lot about this, but one of the things that was interesting was some of the stuff when they were making them, they're negotiating these deals with these different cable uh, channels. Some of them they had to have and pay up for. Others they got to manipulate, right? Not or, yeah. or just do whatever they want with. And I remember, like they, I remember my grandfather did this other guy was was dealing with that, and he was like, "We have to have HBO. We have to have this at the time." So whatever is the have to have, you're you had the leverage. Yeah. Whatever wasn't the cable company had the leverage, and that's what it looks like here. Same thing. So just to bring it back from what sounds like the worst episode of Succession. <laughs> And that is the Swisher family drama around their coal mine and their cable company. Um, can you imagine if you're a kid, you can work for the you can work for the 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 cable company and date stars or date actresses, or you can go to work for the coal company. No, the yeah. cable company was really. And I'm sure the coal just, company made all the money, it, but anyways, it, no, the cable company did. Are you crazy? That's interesting. But to yeah. bring it back to to Peacock, what you also really need, or what's evident, and it's really the reason, one of the reasons why Disney Plus had such a successful launch. Is it's a pain to it's a pain to take your credit card out. It's a pain to to get these things up and running on your on your television screen. Disney Plus took me two and a half hours, but what Disney Plus had is you had a cadre of nine year old boys, i.e. my my youngest, coming home and saying, "Dad, Dad, The Mandalorian is on Disney Plus. Yep. We have to watch it." And Peacock was hoping to have that hook. Their Mandalorian was going to be. The Summer Olympics in Tokyo, which yeah. is going to be available on Peacock, and they don't have that, so they don't right. really have. I, I mean, your your kid isn't going to come home and say, "We have to have The Office," or "I need to see seven, you know, season seven yeah. of Friends." It doesn't yeah. appear they have kind of that, at least yeah. not yet, that hook. And a lot of people say Quibi never really. One of the problems with Quibi is it never really had that breakout one thing. Everyone else well, has it. Took a, a while for Netflix to get to to, to, to Game um, of Thrones. House of Cards, actually. Yeah, Game of Thrones uh, was on HBO. Oh, I'm saying HBO, yeah. House yeah. of Cards, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, House of Cards was. And, and you Orange is like the New Black. like someone owns a cable company. <laughs> yes, I do. And Orange is the New I used to catch cable thieves. I'm not even, well, that'll be a story for another day. Catch but it was, cable thieves? Yes. They, you'd oh, have to point awkward. this weird cable gun at them, this cable finder. They would, they, literally people would go up and, and attach the cable to their house by going up on really dangerous telephone wires to steal cable. It was always the mayor of a town that did yeah. it. Like it was always like the fire chief. It was amazing. It was an amazing. When I was in high school, my mom and I stole cable. You know why? Why? Because we didn't own a coal company. Oh, <laughs> what? 
You can't steal cable. You just can't. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you can. You go into the yeah, cable box anyway. and they have these weird breakers and you just unscrew them and boom, it's, it's yeah. R-rated film for the 15-year-old dog. Yeah, yeah, my family is essentially Sopranos light, but I won't go into that yet either. Wow. Um, anyhow, yes, that is all right. We're gonna, we're gonna, on so the you think ball. it's not going to work. It's not going to work. And, and a you, cable company. Last thing, Roku, you said, was going to be acquired. Do you think uh, that's still going to happen? No, but to be clear, my prediction is Roku is either acquired or begins acquiring companies because I'm convinced that the only way you can maintain or get to sort of the $100 billion plus club is to be vertical. And uh-huh. that's kind of the, the that's kind of the weak link for not only Netflix but Disney. If there is an Achilles heel, and the companies, if you think about all the companies we talk about that are over five hundred billion, they're vertical, mm-hmm. and that is they technically manufacture and design the product and they control the distribution, whether it's Apple or Google. And both Netflix and Disney don't have their own distribution, and Roku doesn't really have their own content. And I think mm-hmm. if you so. I think any consultant that Roku hires to come in says you're going to have to acquire distribution, or any consultant who talks to Disney or Netflix says, you know, over time, we have to control more of our distribution. So the reason why Roku stock is, I don't want to call it bulletproof, but it's had such an incredible run is that if it were to get cut in half, it would be an acquisition target. And if it continues to go up, it can begin acquiring the remaining content assets that are out there. So there's Hulu sitting out there. Roku. uh, Yeah, I don't think Disney's going to give up Roku, uh, uh, give up Hulu. And in some, I think Roku is going to be in the news as uh, most likely an acquirer because it's just got it's just uh-huh. so big right now and has such an, such a great currency in terms of its stock. We need to get the CEO on Pivot. We'll do that. Yeah, that. yeah. Actually, my kind of my most successful business school friend was a senior exec there for a long time. But I remember they, when it was when it was first amazing. funded. Just I amazing remember talking to the VCs. It was interesting. All right, Scott, let's go on a quick break and okay. come back to talk about Apple winning a tax battle in the European Union and a listener mail question. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline. Because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay. 
Okay, Scott, we're back. This week, a European court sided with Apple saying it does not owe Ireland in back taxes. Back in 2016, the European Commission, the bloc's top antitrust enforcer, ruled that Ireland must recoup $14.8 billion in allegedly unpaid taxes between 2003 and 2014. But in an unexpected rebuke of that decision, the EU General Court said the commission failed to meet legal standards and that they had unfairly treated Apple. Marguerite Vestager, who's in charge of competition at the EU Commission, said she would continue investigations into national tax deals with corporations to establish whether they constitute illegal subsidies. Vestager recently launched two antitrust probes into Apple and is considering imposing a digital tax on U.S. tax giants. It's definitely not a victory for her and a victory for Apple. Um, what do you, it's a major win actually, as Apple is about to go into antitrust hearings in the United States. How do you think that'll affect things here? This is a big, this is a big issue because if our most, if the most profitable company in the world doesn't pay taxes, um, the question is who does? Well, we know who does. And that is small, small and medium sized business that don't have an army of tax lawyers and this kind of double Irish or Dutch sandwich where you issue your IP, the license to the brand, to an entity such as uh, Apple International, which is in the Isle of Skye or in Ireland. And then that entity charges the uh, high tax domain entities a huge, a huge fee for license to the IP, thereby suppressing profits in high tax domains and inflating profits in low tax domains. And then Ireland uses low taxation as a feature to get multinationals. It's nothing but arbitrage well, the, that the, takes the money. Do of, come back here and get paid taxes on? But go ahead. It's where you park the money, really. That's real. But go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, but you have access to that capital. It's tax avoidance, yes. pure, yeah. pure and simple. It's tax avoidance. And because we don't have international tax treaties around some of this stuff, the biggest companies who have a international businesses, i.e., big companies, and b have tax lawyers and and lobbyists can effectively pay a lower tax rate than small, medium-sized companies. If you look at if you look at what's happened in the S&P 500 and you divide it into to deciles, the biggest 50 companies are up uh, since since the beginning of the year, like eight or nine percent. And the companies in the middle, the kind of average size companies in the S&P 500 are down about eight percent. And the smallest 50 companies in the S&P 500 are off 38 percent. So why is it that big is better? Mm-hmm. And it's for two reasons. One, big tech monopolies are booming. They're skyrocketing. The market loves monopolies. And two, really big companies, the marketplace is now effectively saying that there's asymmetric risk to the upside for shareholders who will get bailed out on the downside and capture all the gains on the upside. So what we have is an economy where you're, all the shareholder gains are either going to monopolies or companies that are too big to fail which is an asymmetric or is essentially a transfer of power and wealth from who have traditionally been the innovators and the job creators, and that is small and medium-sized business. So we have an unhealthy economy through kind of lax oversight, poor antitrust, and um, essentially companies that are created by moral hazard. I mean, JP Morgan has a floor on it because they can take outsized risk and not go out of business when they fuck up because they're going to get bailed out, as are the airlines right now. So it's really an unhealthy feature of our economy. So what, two things, yep. what has to happen and what is the impact on Vestager? Answer that one first, because she's been so aggressive and she continues, I don't think she's going to back off in any way, but it's, she's been winning really yeah. uh, and, and, and sort of uh, been a thorn in the sides of these tech companies, including Apple, especially Apple for, and Facebook and others. And, and a very big voice on this in Europe has a big impact. What do you, um, 
you know, and of course, France tries to impose taxes, this and that. So it's kind of a two-edged sword because the U.S. wants to do some regulation, but they also want to be defensive of U.S. companies. Even Barack Obama was enormously defensive of U.S. companies um, against European incursions and stuff like that. So what do you what do you think about that? And then what what do we need to do to make this right? Or we just live with these weird tax um, loopholes that these companies can go right through? There's just no getting around it. It's a black eye for Marguerite Vestier. And it, it, it's, you know, it's a win for them. They pushed back. They appealed this ruling and the appeals courts, and I don't understand the dynamics of the appeals court, sided with Apple. There's just no doubt about it. It's a win for Apple. It's a loss for uh, Commissioner Vestier. What needs to be done is simple, and I'm a broken record around this, is more aggressive, uh, thoughtful antitrust action that breaks up the biggest guys who overrun government. And two, we do need some sort of international tax treaty such that all the companies agree to tax based on the revenues they recognize in their own nation. And also the U.S. probably needs to go gangster on these low tax or these tax havens and say, we're going to eliminate corporate tax and then you're going to, we'll put you out of business, period. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think there's actually, I'm not one of these, you know, just lower taxes for no reason. I think we are going to have to raise taxes and start behaving more responsibly fiscally. But Corporate tax, I think, is about 20 or 30 percent of our total revenues. And there is a decent argument for just eliminating corporate tax because it creates such weird, abnormal behavior yeah. around reverse mergers and inversions and tax avoidance. Uh, but we need some sort of international tax treaty that says to everybody, the money we make here, we tax. The money you make there, you tax. And some yeah. sort of, you know, everyone's got to hold the hand and figure out a way to, especially around these big guys, figure out a way for them to not engage in massive tax avoidance. And well, it's also... You know, it's ultimately the fault of the regulators for not writing taxes. 100%. Like, these why businesses would, are doing why what they're supposed to do. Why wouldn't they do this? Why wouldn't they do this? That's right. When I started when I started L2, I set up a subsidiary in Ireland because I'm like, what's good for the goose is good for the really? gander. And I read what GE was doing. Unfortunately, over time, I didn't take advantage of it because we are a venture-backed company and we, we weren't profitable. But... The, the 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 bad news also for the company is that when tax avoidance becomes a core competence and you lose sight of your core business, you end up like yeah. General Electric. A lot of people would fall, say, to General Electric when the best thing they did in the focus of the CEO was having a 400-person department focused on tax avoidance. They kind of lost a little edge around things yeah. like, you know, making light bulbs you and jet an engines. Irish subsidiary? You know, Apple at least has a facility in Cork and a big, uh, a lot of people in, they certainly have a lot Their of Their international there. unit is basically a sign in a delivery bay no, in the not. Isle no, of Man. No, it's It's a facility. No, no Ireland, it's a Ireland has customer service, but the, the Apple International if yeah. you will, quote unquote, yes. that, that is a supposedly a you know a multi-billion dollar is essentially almost a PO box in an office park. Well, it's, they do have they, they do have a corporate they have corporate presence that's significant in Ireland. So does Google, by the way. Um, I, I visited it. There's set, there's a lot of U.S. tech it had been a lot of U.S. tech companies there, and it had to do with both the, the population and uh, you know the ability to attract talent and a good place to live in Dublin mostly, mm -hmm. and also these tax laws and stuff like that. So. It's interesting. You just got treated differently because you're a coal baroness. <laughs> you're and you're a tax scofflaw, an Irish tax. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm not successful what, enough to engage in, in successful what, tax avoidance. What a but pair. the thought was, you know, there. my grandfather was an immigrant. He's from Italy. Well, so, you know. That's a flex. All of our, I'm just all saying, of us, well, my parents he, are immigrants. Now that we're getting to know each other better, we're going to take a listener question, which is a great one that we've gotten uh, this week. Let's go to the tape. You've got mail. Hi, Kara and Scott. This is Todd Pierce. I'm a retired U.S. diplomat now living in Miami Beach. I started listening to the show when I was posted in Geneva, and I'm a huge fan. 
I'm also someone who's dealt with anxiety and depression throughout my life. I appreciate how you address in a nuanced and clear way negative impact tech can have on our emotional state, whether it's the addictive quality of Robin Hood or the body dysmorphia that can creep in after too much time on Instagram. My question is, what innovations do you see having a positive psychological impact? I know telehealth is the obvious example. It's enabled me to stick with my psychiatrist, even when we don't live in the same country. But there have to be more positive examples, no? Thank you guys for making the show and taking my question. That is a great question. And let me just say, uh, we got a nice uh, tweet from the father uh, of the boy who uh, killed himself over the Robin Hood Act, which, which was wonderful. It's telling Scott to keep going. Uh, which is great. And there's also been some, um, and we will do that. And there's also been some legislative action. Some Congress people are calling for an investigation in Robin Hood's, um, practices, include, especially gamification. Uh, this week, my son talked about it a lot that he gets, I, I didn't know this, but on YouTube, which he uses a lot, he said he, he was like reciting the ads. He sees them so much for, for Robin Hood. And so, and he was, he was like saying, you should do this. You should play with us. And, and he's, you know, 15 years old. So, Scott, what do you think about this? Let's find something good in this. In in this. Well, first off, yeah, you're right. Um, I, uh, so, Re- Representative Lauren Underwood um, uh, wrote a letter, and she kind of summar- summarized it. She said, "This should not. This should uh, have never happened." And she wrote a very thoughtful letter. And it's really um, encouraging to see a U.S. representative start to take an interest in this. And per what you talked about, I'm I'm I'm. Uh, very committed to this personally, trying to make some progress against this before it explodes into another one of these companies that is in kind of, you know, the business of exploitation of our, of our most, obviously our most valuable asset, and that's our children. But it's good to see that Congress is taking an interest in it. I'm um, speaking to a couple senators this week about that Mm -hmm. issue. Uh, So hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully government works, but to the, the retired diplomat living in Miami, which, by the way, good for him. That sounds I like know. a pretty meaningful, interesting life. Yeah. Uh, I think these companies do a lot of good. Uh, yeah. And I think, I mean, you were talking about coal. I think coal and cable companies uh, are probably, maybe not coal. I would say almost every big tech company were net gainers. The problem is with the word net. And mm-hmm. that is, we have the ability to hold two thoughts concurrently in our mind. And that is maybe even if fossil fuels we're net gainers, we still have emission standards. Even if we're net gainers from uh, automobile companies or autos, we still have we still have manufacturing standards, we still have emission standards. So yeah, I, I want to acknowledge up front, I would say with the exception of Facebook, we're net gainers. There's more positives and negatives yeah. across all these companies, so but that doesn't exonerate them from the same no. regulation let's, and screening Let's answer his question. So telehealth, I know, has been great. I've done a few things on it. It's been really good. I have lots of friends who are doing their psychological stuff still online. I mm-hmm. think it works out. It's actually working out really well because it's yeah. quite intimate. Um, uh, fit trackers are good. Meditation apps. Calm, um, yeah. There's all kinds of uh, of stuff that have has positive psychological impact. I, these 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 workout stuff, the Pelotons, the yeah. as things like that. Um, you know, what do you, what do you you know? You have these movements. Another listener recently asked if movements like Me Too and Arab Spring ultimately outweighs the damage that social media does. I don't think so. As Twitter moves into possible subscription model, that's a possibility. Um, so, do platforms like uh, Zoom and Slack let you work from home help? Name some more. Name some more where you think the positivity is is stronger and the net is is a little more on the positive side. Well, I think uh, all of those that you were talking about. I also think many of the 
um, I mean, there's, there's, there's food and nutrition apps that do a pretty good job. I think almost all of these guys do, do a nice job. I don't, I'd love, I mean, what we're seeing or where the opportunity is, I would say economically and also from a human capital standpoint is I think COVID-19 has inspired what I'll loosely refer to as the great dispersion. And that is medicine and education are no longer going to be filtered through the constraints of these geographic regulators, specifically a hospital, a doctor's office or a university, such that, as you mentioned, or uh, with a, a therapist or a psychiatrist mm-hmm. or a trainer or a nutritionist, unless it's hands-on, unless it's a chiropractor or an acupuncturist, you're going to probably be able to digitize it and deliver 80% of it for hopefully 30 to 50% yeah. of the price through this great dispersion. And what's also interesting is that COVID-19 has inspired regulators to um, apply HIPAA compliance or just kind of get out of the way and let people prescribe medications and move to remote medicine. It's cleared out a lot of bureaucracy that people would argue pharmaceutical and doctor's lobbies had left in place because it benefited them. So uh, there is a, a, you know, one of the upsides if you if you talk about take all these apps, it's the same thing. They've all they've all leapt forward ten years in about eight to twelve weeks, and that's there are now venture capital firms raising raising funds with one word uh, in terms of the strategy remote. So anything you know, we're just seeing just such an acceleration in anything that can be delivered. Uh, remote, but it, it feels like mental health is a killer app around this stuff. It feels like travel yeah. in the early days, Agreed. where it's a it's a huge industry, an important industry that can it, that is an information based industry. And I think it's a great, you know, Amanda's parents are both uh, in uh, psychologists, and they they've used it. I think her father's a psychiatrist, and her mom's a psychologist. They find it works really well. I mean, there's nothing like being in person in many ways and having interactions, mm-hmm. but it's it, it as opposed to say education. Everyone who's used telehealth and psychiatry and things like that seems relatively satisfied and it, it does have an intimacy that does work. Even doing podcasts, not just with us, when I was doing Rico Deco podcasts, they worked out really well uh, with, uh, with, with, uh, we used the Squadcast. Other people use Zoom and I find some meetings are pretty good. Like there's, you know what I mean? Like, so there are, there's a lot of stuff as they, as you begin to tweak it that'll work well. And, and in telehealth, let me just say, and then we can move on to predictions is that there's been, I've noticed a lot of commercials on cable, uh, cause I watch late night cable, uh, all the time. And so it's either the, I don't see them in my pillow guy very much, but, um, but there's uh, there's a lot of commercials that lately that are showing like p- someone putting their hand up to a screen and then the doctor can X-ray or there's an X-ray that gets taken and then they can diagnose stuff and it, you know you can see that you don't have to go to the doctor for a lot of stuff even though certain things require hands-on visits um, like an MRI or something like that but I think more and more this is going to be good for people's health if they can have e- more easy access to uh, experts without all the, the, the friction that causes, ha- you have to go to the doctor, you have to park, takes money, it takes time out of your day, extra time yeah. and stuff like that. So. One observation I would make is that I think whether it's the, the service provider, whether you're teaching an online course or you're, you're the psychiatrist delivering an online therapy session, um, most of our focus, because we're a consumer-led economy, is if it's good or bad for the consumer. And the general viewpoint is it's good for the consumer. It saves him or her time and ob- over time should be able to be more cost-effective. Mm-hmm. I find on the service provider side, it's actually more taxing. 
Uh, I find yeah. teaching online classes very, very difficult. It's it, oh, you do, it, it, and also if you talk to, I mean, when you're talking about Zoom, my team finds it exhausting. And supposedly delivering, if you're a therapist on the other side of delivering online therapy, they say it's very difficult and very tiring to do these online sessions. So it's, I worry that over the long term, everyone's talking about the benefits of remote work, and there is benefits: yep. less commuting, more efficient, live where you want. But there is something to the notion that if your job can be outsourced, if they can let you move to Denver, that means they can keep going and move your job to India. And I find that delivering stuff via Zoom as a service provider is just exhausting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I like some of it. But, you know, it's interesting because Amazon announced people didn't have, didn't go going back to, to 2020. I think the New York Times did. So that's going to be, you know, pretty much everyone's, every major offices are going to be stay at home and don't come back in for a while. So more and more people will get used to it and find workarounds that will then become permanent. I think that's very clear. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for predictions. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Okay, Scott, I'm going to do a prediction yes. this week. Um, actually, I have two of them, actually. Okay. The first one I'm going to do is, is related to TikTok. You know, there's been an increasing um, attacks on it, a backlash against it, all kinds of, even the Democrats are piling on. Uh, I, I wrote a column this week in the Times about it, which will appear, but it's, um, I think they're going to spin it off. I think they're going to, this this is sort of, was sort of a, as, as a, uh, ben Thompson at Stratichery said it was a it was a it was a sidelight thing, and now it's moved to center stage. Yeah. These issues around China, I think they're going to have to spin it off and go public in the U.S. and just break the ties, so they're not subject to the national intelligence, the heinous national intelligence laws of China. It, even though there's no proof that there's any kind of movement of data to China, yeah. they can be compelled to, and even in their privacy policy, that you say they could do it, even though they don't do it. So I think they're gonna I think they're gonna spin off. That's my feeling. That is my prediction. Yeah, and they've signaled that. There was yeah. it wasn't an accident Soon. that they hired, you know, Kevin. a big white yeah. American guy. It, yeah. it be, I think they're planning this and I think they figured they saw this coming and said, okay, how I do I think we, it's accelerated? Yeah. How 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 can we come across as more global slash American and reduce the perceived threat and xenophobia that that we kind of feel towards almost all things Chinese or non-American? So I think this is this was part of the reason that he was able He's going to be probably the newest minted CEO billionaire oh, when they go public. Billionaire. You're right. And, anyway, that's my prediction. Uh, and, that makes sense. And then my actual prediction. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to make a full disclosure because I work for the New York Times and New York Magazine. Yeah. Um, and I have some personal relationships involved here that aren't worth getting into, but they're awkward. Uh, totally Googleable if you are in the mood, but mm, why bother? This is good. Uh, I want some music <laughs> in the background. To. Another in episode four of, <laughs> of Succession, dysfunctional yet boring. The Swisher controversy. Go ahead. Okay, Go ahead. I'm it's, waiting. It's, it's juicy. It's juicy. Okay. I know it is. It is. To this Go week on. is likely. Go on. All right. Anyway, Barry Weiss, longtime New York Times op-ed writer, uh -oh. not long time actually, uh -oh, here re comes. resigned from the New York Times. 
she she accused the company of internal bullying of her concern. And she's not conservative. She calls herself centrist. She also published uh, widely shared uh, and widely shared her resignation letter. Same day, Andrew Sullivan, the conservative uh, political writer, again, mm-hmm. sure he's so concerned. I don't know what he is anymore. Uh, at New York Magazine announced uh, he, he would be a contrarian. I'll say contrarian writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, announced he would be uh, leaving the publication, Ben Shapiro, leaving uh, wherever the hell he is. Um, so, you know, I had known, heard about this through the media entrepreneur circles. Mm-hmm. That there, there was something they were all cooking up together. Not the cold together. circles. The cold circles. No, not the cold circles. That's a whole different group of people. Mm. That's a lot of guys, you that's know. That's a lot of like, b- bad food and windowless conference rooms. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of beer and uh, yeah. and uh, yeah. other things. Let's get some wings. Uh, you know, Anyways, I'm sorry. Wings, wings and strippers, whatever. Anyway, um, so I think they're going to start their own publication. I don't know. The yeah, Heritage they already announced Daily. it, didn't they? Didn't they announce it? The uncancelled. The uncancelled. I don't know. They're, yeah. I think they're going to start something right. and be funded. I'm not. I'm be curious. You know, maybe money from Teal. Who knows? Uh, but I think this was a was a long. I think this is a long game of PR in this regard. I don't. I don't agree with her letter. Um, I think it was missing a lot of pertinent facts. Uh, but uh, and uh, and was designed uh, to to do this next thing. Uh, I think a lot of people think that. And so uh, I predict you're going to see a new uh, right in the middle of the time when lots of, including Vox Media and others, are mm-hmm. having layoffs, Buzzfeed and things mm-hmm. like that. You're going to see a newly funded organization, possibly, or linked to something like Joe Rogan, or or just they're they're, I think they're close, and uh, so you're going to see something with I think probably those three, but we'll see. It makes sense. Uh, You're definitely going to see a book deal, obviously, Um, but it seems like there's something afoot. That's what I would say. Yeah, I've heard this for months, and I I actually said it to uh, uh, people. Yeah, uh, privately. Uh, I thought the letter. I mean, I thought the letter was well written. I do think there is. We, oh, you know, we disagree over this. Anyways, desperate need of an editor. But go ahead. Um, <laughs> well, I know one that's a coal baroness. Anyways, she's. Um, <laughs> I would not edit that letter. But yeah, the, but it felt. Uh, I would say. It, I don't want. It didn't. It didn't. It did actually undermine and diminish a bit of the credibility of the letter. When the next day, I thought I read that they were going. They were starting a new company. It felt like kind of a press release and a kind of a means of getting awareness for whatever their new co is going to be. But I don't think it's. I think it's unfair to sort of associate it with what I think they're going to plan to do with Peter Thiel. I think what they're trying to say. I don't is, know if it's Peter Thiel. FYI. Yeah, I know. No but idea. my point is, it's it's not it's not a libertarian band. I think I think what they're saying is, it, is that there's no there's no um, middle left, and that there's an opportunity for media that tries to place itself somewhere in the middle. Um, the other thing that that was interesting in our letter, and I've seen this in companies, is that there appears to be a fissure between. Kind of the over forty, quote unquote, liberals and no. the under forty. It's untrue. Wosters. Yeah, it's, it's untrue. untrue. Those were tweet. That's one thing she left out. She tweeted all this stuff after the yeah. Tom Cotton thing that was patently untrue, and it was like twelve people from the New York Times is like, right, we were in this meeting, and it was young and old. This is not what happened, and so yeah. that's was left out of the letter. You know, and she's like, people called me a liar, and I'm like, well, you kind of tweeted stuff that was untrue, so. They were furious at you. It was a regular editorial back and forth. It was not a civil war. There's just, it's, I am there. I, I, I'm not deeply enmeshed in the New York Times, but it's just untrue. I don't think, it's I, not don't a care. I, don't, I don't think anyone, I don't think the people were worried about that. I think they were a little disturbed when they heard that you got very angry at the letter and you hopped in your car and you put on <laughs> diapers and you drove 30 hours to speak to her. That's, oh, All wait, right, that's, that's not enough. you. I've never that's met her not in you. person. 
I have never, I would never do that. I have no, I have no personal relationship with this person. So um, no personal relationship with this person. And something tells me you're not going to develop one. (laughs) I, it's, you know, the work is not my cup of tea, but a lot of people's work are my cup of tea. So it's Mm. fine. Like, I don't mind it. It's fine. It's not your cup of coal. It's not not my cup cup of coal. But here's the deal. Aside from this letter, which I think is, is problematic. I'm mm-hmm. going to, is problematic. And I don't want to discuss letter because I don't think this is, I think there should be discussions about editorial issues within newspapers. I think that uh, behavior on Slack, for example, mm-hmm. is bad. You know, she noted an ax emoji. I, I, you know, I don't know. Like, let's look at, let's, they should do an investigation into how people behave, but if it's just, just basic, like Slack meanness. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, let's look at it. I say, let I me think trans- the key is just to not understand Slack and you're not subject to anything. People lose their minds on Slack. Slack is demonic for a lot of people. Yeah. It's like Twitter. Um, but having a disagreement with someone is not the same thing. And, and if you, as, as, uh, you know, if you're, if you write things that are offensive and then people are offended, and then you're mad that they're offended. It seems like it's just, it's just not the hill to die on. This particular letter is not the hill to die on for mm-hmm. this point. Same. Uh, that's my feeling. And I, they're going to start something and they can, that's great. I think that I, entrepreneurs welcome media entrepreneurs everywhere. Um, and, uh, it should be interesting and, and, and it should be, you know, it'll be called the uncanceled. The weekly, uncanceled. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. That's my feeling. There you have it. Now you know so much about my personal I know, life. This has, been, this has very, been very illuminating. Okay, so my prediction. Prediction, go ahead. My mind is blown. I've been thinking about this all week, Kara, and that is in the history of business, something uh, we record on Thursdays and something this afternoon is going to happen as a function of what is an unprecedented situation in business. And that is we have a company whose sales or consumption of their core product is up 38% uh, year on mm-hmm. year, which is just, uh, I'm talking about Netflix. So mm-hmm. the consumption or the core product is up, consumption of the core product is up 38% year it's on great. year. That's great. That's because it's great. I agree. I agree. Give me some running room. Give me some running right. room. Go for it. Um, but at the same time, and I don't think I've ever, I, I can't name another company or another situation where this has happened. At the same time, their costs have absolutely plummeted because they're they're no longer allowed to be in production. Mm-hmm. So what you're about to see, and this is my produ- my prediction, I think Netflix oh. goes over at uh, an after hours today, breaches 600 bucks a share, and becomes more valuable than Comcast, AT and T, and Disney. on On the back of this, not only their incredible success, they're up 80 percent since the March lows. They're up 60 percent uh, year to date just behind uh, just behind Amazon, which I think is up 64 percent. But I'm trying to think of another situation where companies it's as if General Motors said we've sold 40 percent more cars, but we haven't had to keep our factories open. We've been able to close yeah. them and save money. I don't think in the history of business we've ever seen. Plus, they have a backlog. Netflix is an endless well. Of right. They have this content. library. So you're about to see you're about to see this trope uh, anomalous, incredible earning surge announced today at Netflix, and they'll do anything they can to throw expenses on it to take it down. Because once they do fire up production again, their earnings will go back uh, to kind of normal levels. But I think the stock is going to pop. I think Netflix has so much momentum, and they're going to look out ten years as the market is doing and saying this company is just a juggernaut. Anyways, Netflix over six hundred bucks a share, close of 
uh, after the market closes today on the back of this incredible trope-like notion where a, a company can increase its sales 38% while seeing its costs plummet. I've just never, yeah, I've never, I, I've a, never seen it before. Good one. We have good predictions today. That's a good, let me just say, I agree with you. And by the way, there's so much, there's so much good content. I keep discovering it yeah, and it's quite delightful. Like I just watched Eurovision, the Will Ferrell. Oh Rachel yeah, McAdams. I watched that with my sons. It was cute. It was adorable. Yeah, it was I was so happy to have it. And then I moved over to another thing that was more serious. I forget what it was, but it just, there, there's an endless supply of really good content yeah, and agreed. whatever strikes your fancy. And it's always sort of serving you up very much like TikTok. Actually, I really enjoy using TikTok. Um, really great product yeah. away from everything else of any of these apps. It, I, I like to focus on great products. And I think even though the costs have gone down, Netflix is great because the product is great. Yeah, they period. do a fantastic job. No doubt they about do. it. No doubt about Good it. Good prediction. Good prediction from you. Okay, squat, Scott, squat. Squat. Call you squat. <laughs> I'm going to call you squat from now on. All right. Another quarantine weekend is upon us. I know you're going to call me six times. I know I know. I didn't call you back the other night. I'm sorry. Oh, you're bragging now. You didn't call I was me watching back. Eurovision. That's what I was doing. Yeah. That's what I, I was actually, and it was so good. I couldn't stop watching adorable Rachel McAdams speak Icelandic. I just couldn't, I just couldn't stop. Yeah. So, that thing read like kind of did from the, from the, from the Chamber of Commerce from Reykjavik. It made, it made I know, Iceland but I loved it. Really I just, likeable. she's so adorable. And anything I with stop Pierce watching. Brosnan. I know. He's so handsome. He my handsome, handsome father. Very good looking. He was, he was really good. But, uh, but what are you doing this weekend? What are you up to? Uh, absolutely nothing. Um, I can't, I literally, uh, like my mind's a blank when you say, what am I doing this weekend? I'm writing a big piece or a big piece for me mm-hmm. on education. I'm trying to assemble a list of which educational institutions bring this toxic cocktail of a lot of international students, low endowments, high admin mm-hmm. rate, um, and uh, high tuition with a kind of a low experience and a tier two brand. Cause I think there's about to be 500 yep. or a thousand universities. It'll start a death March on September one with the demand. I will note that Scott gave this lecture to my son. I think you were trying out your arguments on my son who asked about NYU. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. By oh. the way, it was very helpful. It's my pleasure. And I kicked off my latest prof G strategy sprint. So I'll be doing my first class on, t- uh, not this weekend, but Tuesday night, I got a thousand students that wow. uh, all online. Uh, that's exciting. So yeah, just doing, that's doing my gig. Good. Doing my gig. I'm going to install baby gates. I'm not. Baby gates. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Baby gates. I'm installing baby gates. That's, That's where my life is right nice. now. Nice. Don't forget, if there's a story in the news that you're curious about and want to hear our opinion on, email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. This was a really good show. It was full of information. I really have liked your analysis this week, wow. and I really Thanks, appreciate it. Thanks. Anyway, read us out. Today's show was produced by Rebecca Sinanis. Fernando Finete engineered this episode. Erica Anderson is our executive producer. Thanks also to Drew Burroughs. Make sure you've subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts, or if you're an Android user, check us out on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please recommend it to a friend. Thanks for listening to Pivot from New York Magazine and Vox Media. We'll be back next week for another breakdown of all things tech and business. Go Netflix. Have a great weekend, Kara. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.